Real quick before we dive into today's show, did you know that on average recruiters take six seconds to scan a resume? No pressure in submitting your application, right? Well, six seconds aside, it's easy to become overwhelmed when it comes to updating your resume, I know. But I've got some good news, I can help. I've created a simple resource to support you and trust me when I say this, updating your resume doesn't need to feel daunting. Check out the resumerefreshchallenge.com to download your resource today. Again, that's the resumerefreshchallenge.com to download your resources today. Hello and welcome to the Own Your Career podcast. I'm Jenna, your host, and I'm so grateful that you're here. I created this podcast to inspire ambitious professionals like you, grow your career, bring a little insight and career tips from industry leaders, and really be a resource for you while you're navigating your career journey. Today's guest is Zulika Skrau. She is an expert in the world of HR, and she happens to be the last leader that I reported into. She is one of my greatest mentors. She's a friend, and she's incredibly smart. I have, and I continue to learn so much from Z, and I know you will too. Let's dive into my conversation with her. Hi, Zulika. Hi, Jenna. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm really good. Happy to be here. Awesome. I'm so happy to have you. And what I was saying to you before and what I said to you when I invited you to be on the podcast as well is just how grateful I am for your support and being my first guest on the Own Your Career podcast. Just thank you so much for your time and spending your energy here. Of course. Thank you. I'm so like honored to be here and to be your first. It's a lot of pressure, so I'll do my best for you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, why don't we kick things off with starting with who you are, a little bit about your background, how you grew up, your cultural upbringing. If you can dive straight into that, that would be awesome. Yeah, sure. So my name is Zalika Scrow. I I was born in Canada, born and raised in London, Ontario, and pretty much spent most of my life in the East End of the GTA in a small town called Whitby. My parents, however, are both from Africa. They were born in Uganda. And they came to England and the United States when they were like 17 or 18. So what's interesting about my background is like, I feel really connected to being Canadian, but really grew up in a household that was not. So my parents, you know, mm-hmm. learned English here. You know, my dad used to read the dictionary to kind of get his his skills up to par. And, you know, we had a really, a really full experience growing up of kind of our African roots and where my parents grew up and also like assimilating into Canada. So I, I really feel like I grew up with kind of a in-house way of doing things. And then like the real world felt like a a place outside of my house. So really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Upbringing for me, for sure. And what, how do you think that like has impacted how you've developed and grown your career over Mm -hmm. these last years? Yeah. It's funny. I think it's, it really has had a big impact because I get so interested and curious about how someone's experience, you know, lends themselves to find what they want to do every single day. So I think a lot about my dad, you know, who really felt like he needed to have a job that had no language and wanted to be an accountant and also felt like, you know, me and my sister should be accountants because, you know, that way we could work anywhere in the world. And and so just even that type of thinking really always had me like curious because of my upbringing about like why people do what they do, where they come from. I'm always so curious about like what people's kind of 
start of life experiences. And I think for, for my role and being in HR, it just, it really helps me get to know people and what motivates them and also like gets to know things that are just deeper than their day to day. That's really important, you know, and, and you know that about me, but you know, I, I really uh-huh. believe that work and, and life are one thing. And so it, I think the way I grew up made me really curious about you know, what people's backgrounds were and like why they did what they did and how they got where they ended up being. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like, like there was such strategy for your father anyways, mm-hmm. in terms of him choosing what he wanted to do. And I love that that brought, like you said, curiosity into deciding what exactly it was that you wanted to or how you wanted to steer your career and not necessarily the accounting direction, right. but just... <laughs> Yeah, being open to what that could look like for you. So that's cool. Yeah. And one thing that I just remembered is you telling me about your father being adamant about you learning how to speed read. Can you explain that? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. 100%. So this comes from, again, I think just his, you know, real um, motivation for us to be successful and have things that he didn't have and also like get up to speed in a new country. So I think mm-hmm. I mentioned this before, my dad used to read the dictionary to like, you know, improve his vocabulary and, and you know, learn, you know, another level of, of English and kind of practice on a regular basis. And so he also had a lot of books and things that he needed to get through very quickly. And so he very early on, when he came to Canada, read this book on speed reading and like would reread it over and over again in his life. And so it was one of the first books that he really drilled into my sister and I, and he really felt like if you could get through a lot of books and you could, you know, get ahead, you would be further ahead than your classmates. And, you know, when you go to go to work and, you know, you'll get through things faster. And so he always felt like that would help give him an advantage. So it's interesting. I get feedback today that like I read emails really quickly and I definitely Mm -hmm. read books quickly, but I don't mean to like, it's so subconscious because (laughs) I I just, I read this book as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love that. He encouraged that for you too. And yeah, I admire and wish that I had that skill so much. (laughs) So maybe I'll pick that speed reading book up one day and check it out. But you did tell me that it was quite a long book, if I recall correctly. So it's so so like, so interesting that it's such a big book, but and the practice is you're supposed to read it a few times to kind of like, ensure you have the skills. So you do end up reading it faster (laughs) after the the first or Mm, second time. How ironic. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) So you touched on this a little bit about like you didn't specifically say work-life alignment, but you started to talk talk about work or life outside of work. Mm -hmm. And so that brings me to another question that I have is like, when you're not at work, what are you doing? Yeah, really good question. I think, you know, in light of the pandemic and even just like further thinking about balance, like there's so many things now that I have such an appreciation for outside of, of work, but also like integrates into my like well-being at work. So Number one, I love my dog. I spend a lot of time with him. His name is Tito. He really helps bring a routine into my life. So really like spend time with him, try and train him. I love doing yoga. I've actually picked up that practice more and more, especially um, in light of the pandemic and um, actually getting ready for um, yoga teacher training, which I'm really excited about. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. So really excited about that. And then I just, I love spending time with my family. I think, you know, being closer to my to my sister, my parents, my husband's parents. Um, yeah, just like spending mm-hmm. some quality time, really important. So I, I make space for that. Yeah, that is so great. I I think something that I've learned 
over this last few years, especially like you talking about the pandemic is what hobbies and how am I spending time outside of work? Because I often get so into my career and I treat it like a hobby at times too. And then I forget about the other things that are important in life. So I appreciate you sharing and saying all of that. 100%. So when you think about your career and where you've ended up, does it surprise you at all? Or is this the path that you saw for yourself when you were, you knew accounting, wasn't it? I knew accounting, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but looking forward and now seeing where you are today, does it surprise you at all where you are? Yeah. You know, I, I always knew, well, I shouldn't say always. I think I knew early on I wanted to be in HR as soon as I learned what the profession was. And I don't want to date myself too much, but you know, going to school, there wasn't a stream for HR. There wasn't a lot of, you know, academic programming that was kind of highlighted for HR. And so thanks to some mentors I had in my life, working in the restaurant business and always in customer service, like really um, got some good advice to, to pursue HR and, and could also kind of rationalize that that was going to be a really good element of a business. And so when I think when I think about how I pitched it back to my father, I was like, you know, accounting is needed and so is HR. You know, like the the need and the like stability of of what that function provides to an organization like could really feel in parallel to me. And so mm-hmm. the, the difference was that it involved, you know, service, which I'm such a advocate for. I love giving, you know, I I really appreciate getting good service. I love giving people good service and making, making their day. I think, you know, you, you, every person has an impact on another person. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's such a strategic element of what a people HR function can do. And it it was really like up and coming at the time um, that I, that I started to to study it and, and ultimately practice it. So I guess like long, long winded way of saying, I always knew I wanted to be in HR. Am I surprised in terms of like where I got today? Like, absolutely. I think I still have imposter syndrome from time to time. I like have always wanted to be leading an HR function and and an HR team um, and like really worked hard to gain the skills and the confidence to do it. And the fact that I get to do it now feels pretty amazing. (laughs) And sometimes I feel in a a lot of disbelief around it, but I guess like always knew I wanted to be in HR, really grateful that I get to lead, lead the function. It's, it's a huge blessing. Mm, That's cool. And you do such a good job of it. Thank you. Yeah, you do. I'm thinking about when you're talking about the function and the role of HR and it going from this idea of personnel. Like I watched Mad Men. Have you ever watched Mad Men? Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. So Joan in Mad Men is basically HR, but I didn't realize that until almost the end. I think I had to, I was watching like the whole um, series over again. And then I finally had this epiphany, like, oh my gosh, Joan is HR. And it was such a different uh, like over the years, it's grown and developed into being this strategic business partner yes. yeah. that you speak about. Um, so when you think about the skills that you've gained over the years and how you've built your confidence around the function, what do you think is the most important thing that you've maybe honed or that you've gone and sought, like mm-hmm. the the skill set that you've gone after to make you and allow you to be that strategic business partner. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good call out, and yeah, the evolution of of HR. Um, it's really interesting to see to see how it's grown. But I think the number one thing for me 
would be, you know, immersing myself in the business was really like I one like had a natural curiosity of just understanding what everybody did, you know, and like Mm -hmm. not from a surface perspective, not that like, oh, I'm going to help you fill this role. I'm like, no, I really want to understand what your team does, how, how you all work together, why you're, you know, why you do things the way you do, um, how that leads up to a bigger goal. And so I think, you know, really early on, I had this like just natural curiosity to dive deeper into the, like into the way the business operated. And I think Mm -hmm. that really lended itself for me to be better in, in terms of giving advice and support into any part of like the employee life cycle. I don't know how you do that effectively without knowing the business, to be really honest Mm -hmm. with you. Like, I think that that's where there's missed opportunities, where there's, you know, a lack of alignment. And I think that one of the biggest learnings I've had is that, you know, it's so important for teams and HR and for for leaders to to bring their HR people along for even if they were like, oh, this, I don't think this involves you or you don't like put them in the room, right? As observers. Mm -hmm. I loved, you know, the idea too of taking on projects in other areas. Like I I remember early on in my career putting my hand up to do things in other departments again just to understand better how people mm-hmm. actually work. And I think that really helped build my confidence especially in areas that I didn't know. So I think about when I, you know, I worked in fintech and you know had no idea about our product offering and services but had a really high mandate to recruit, you know, hundreds of roles for the company. I was like, how am I going to do this and talk (laughs) to really brilliant people and not know what their typical day is like? I'm like, that just doesn't seem logical. So I like asked the CIO at the time, I'm like, can I shadow one of your team members for a week? Can you actually assign me work? And can I just be on the team? And it was amazing. Mm. You know, I, I think just like that. putting my hand up for, for moments like that early on and then, you know, making sure that that was a constant in my career throughout because, you know, you never know everything. I'm constantly learning. And then I think as I was able to take on a team, I think just also making sure that there was space for the team to do those things as well and, and you know, help them find their own way of integrating into the business. But that that for me... Um, was really important um, to do. And I think ultimately helped me be really strategic. So, you know, today I'm not only involved in what you would think are just kind of day-to-day people decisions. I'm really involved in like the business strategy, which is really where where I should be because, you know, our biggest investment, our biggest <laughs> risk is our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love what you're saying here. I think about, you know, the question that a people I get asked when I'm helping clients with on the interview, I get asked the question around development plans and how they can support their growth and development in their career. And I think you just shared some brilliant things for people to take on and lean into. And it's pretty simple. It's not like they have to go and create a lot of work for themselves. It's about being curious, about identifying what you can learn and being open to learning and understanding the cross-functional partners that you work with every day, how you can better support them and, and understanding their jobs and that yeah. sort of thing, whether you're in HR or not. So exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's that's funny. Awesome. Yeah. Like even thinking about growth and development plans, it's, you know, one of those things that can really turn into its own monster. And, and what I appreciate <laughs> is like the simplicity of, you know, taking it on, taking on what you can yourself, you know, of course mm-hmm. you, you still need 
development from your leader and you you know I that that is absolutely a table stake but there's so much you can do for yourself with being curious and taking on you know asking people within your company how can I help you like what is something that I can dive in and support you with or you know hey this looks like it's going to be challenging can I take 5 minutes and do a project plan for you and take a first stab at it like there's so many things I think especially people who are early on in their careers and kind of getting a broad view can just jump mm-hmm. in and um, and take some like initiative. And I look at it all out of service from a people perspective. So even though I'm asking or jumping in or suggesting or putting myself in there to do these things, ultimately it's going to help service them better as a people partner. Yeah, totally. When you think about the f- your future yeah. within HR or maybe within somewhere else in the business or in a different industry or whatever it may look like. What are your current career goals that you're working towards? Yeah, really good question. I I um I really want, you know, to continue to obviously be involved in in the business, like the the day-to-day operations and also, you know, let, continue to leverage my skill set from a people perspective. There's a couple areas that I'm like double clicking on that I'm really like I'm really interested in and and um, I'm gonna do some work around. So the first is risk management. So this mm-hmm. is also I think a new not a new, but maybe an up and coming area um, for a lot of businesses. And what's interesting about risk management is it doesn't always sit in the same place in every organization. I think you can make an argument for it in a number of departments. And what I like about you know getting a better understanding of risk management is again, I think it's a really good service long term. I see it being under like a people umbrella. I think there's a lot of synergies there to think about risk management um, and and you know a lot of those elements under a people umbrella. So I'm I'm diving in there. I'm I'm looking to learn more um, within that particular area, and that's kind of like the functional side to answer your question. And then I mm-hmm. think you know broadly speaking, I'm really interested um, in in you know kind of getting involved, you know, on on boards, on committees, like I, I would love to also dedicate some time to give back to the community and also like support businesses, specifically those that are starting, you know, starting up and who might need some advice or, or counsel or support from a people perspective. I'd love to get that exposure. And I'd also love to give some of my learnings, especially as I've, you know, been involved in a lot of growth companies to kind mm-hmm. of give back. Cool. Yeah. What would be your dream company to sit on their board for? Oh, well, that, I don't, that's such a good question. I'm like, I, I think I have so many. It's so, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think that, I don't know. I think there's so many. And what's interesting with well, the other thing I would say too, is as an aside, I, I also would love to be involved in some type of advisory to support HR education. So to go back to like the earlier part of our discussion, like you know, the fact that HR has changed so much, mm-hmm. I, I really love to get ahead of the next generation and like support, you know, future HR leaders with with new content. So maybe, maybe what would be great is if I could be on like a board of education or, you know, supporting mm-hmm. a local university or school with, with some content or some like some support and kind of how to put things together. Cause I really think that's like a huge opportunity. Very cool. Yes. And I think just what you were talking about around looking and diving deeper into risk management, like yeah. we got to experience that during the pandemic and yes. we're kind of like, I had never thought that yeah. we would need to plan for something like this before. I mean, maybe some 
I'm sure there are lots of publicly traded companies who have that manual or whatever, but yeah, I think all organizations are probably looking at their experience from the pandemic, thinking about how can we prepare and have that playbook ready or whatever that might look like. So that's cool. And uh, bringing that to like an education environment would be ideal for people to learn that as they're going through school. Exactly. Thinking about, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So I would love to talk about your greatest career highlight to date and also your greatest career failure to Mm -hmm. date. Yeah. Good. Great questions. I love them. (laughs) I love talking about my failures too. Maybe I'll start with that one because I think that it's so important to take a moment and like reflect on celebrating your failures and and looking at, mm-hmm. you know, as growth. And, and uh, you know, I think too, and, and I know you've experienced this as well, but like having a great mentor who also helps you kind of highlight your failures and say like, let's celebrate them. Let's learn from them. So mm-hmm. I love, I love failing. I think there's so much, there's so much <laughs> to not be afraid of. And so mm-hmm. I think my greatest failure was taking on. So when, when I worked at Sage, I had this great opportunity to take on two areas of the business, two pretty big areas of the business, one being the HR function and then the second being retail. And so those were huge portfolios. We were going through massive growth and it was all hands on deck, which was so exciting. I was learning the retail side as I went. And I think why I highlight, you know, and what I'll say is like the chapter heading is I took on too much. Mm -hmm. And I think why I'm so reflective of that failure is it really taught me about capacity and how it's so important to focus, like to be really realistic with your focus. So Mm -hmm. while, you know, I think I have a really big capacity to do a lot of work and I can like take on a lot of things, it doesn't mean I'm going to be good at them. (laughs) And it doesn't. And so what I think is important in that lesson is if you're thinking about awarding somebody on your team, like, oh, they're awesome. I trust them. They're going to follow through and they're going to do all these things. It doesn't mean they're good. (laughs) Like it doesn't mean they're going to be good. And so what this really taught me was that while I could take on the capacity of, of both jobs and, and you know, keep the lights on, I ended up not being able to make progress in the way that I had hoped and that, you know, I think that the company had hoped in either area because it was just too big. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, what it really taught me was, you know, how to like put my hand up and say, this is what I'm good at and this is what I can do and this is what I can't do. And this is, and like try to find solutions for those things versus, you know, kind of kill myself to get it done. Yes. And so while it was, you know, a really hard experience to go through professionally, because you, you know, you have this kind of defeated uh, sentiment, if you're like, oh, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it all. It like, really saved me, I think, in a lot of ways for the future in terms of like having that, that kind of baseline of like, oh, I can see this happening again. I'm going to, I'm going to think more critically about this. I know what I'm going to be able to do well at, and I know what I'm not going to do well at and to like, you know, be really honest with yourself about it. So that was definitely, you know, a failure and, and one that I celebrate and, and one that I also wish I called earlier. Like I I knew (laughs) it was too big and I knew working on it, it was too big. And then, you know, if I had called it earlier and had the same learnings earlier on, I think there would have been a different outcome. So that definitely. What was the tipping point? Hmm. Yeah. The tipping point, I think, I think it was 
it, it felt it, so what's interesting is we were moving so quickly in the sense that you know we were opening stores in in Canada in new markets we were entering into the United States and there was all this newness that was that was supposed to be happening and I felt stagnant I felt like I couldn't get my mind on any of the new thinking because I was just doing the baseline because that's all right. I can actually do and so when I think about how we planned you know, support for our people, how we planned our, like all of those things to me ended up being pretty like mediocre, right? Because I Mm -hmm. couldn't. And so the fact that it felt baseline and not exciting was the tipping point. Cause I'm like, this should Mm -hmm. actually feel, you know, innovative and exciting. And, and instead it felt exhausting, you know, and everybody else was kind of like, you know, we're not, I don't think we're doing the things that we had all signed up to do because we're just kind of on autopilot. So mm-hmm. I think just having that realization that like, wait a second, this should actually feel different because environmentally we're doing all these things to grow. And instead I just felt like I was standing still, if that makes sense. Yes. And then did you go and have a conversation with your leader? Like, yeah. I'm sure it wasn't necessarily, well, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm assuming yeah. it wasn't necessarily like this one moment in time, light bulb moment, but just over time having this realization. And then what did that conversation look like? You you brought it up with them? Yeah, I brought it up. Yeah, we had, you know, what was great is we were having like really open conversations throughout. And and what I appreciate about my, my, my leader at the time was, you know, she would help me call myself on things. You know, she was really supporting me on the retail side, which was where I didn't have the skill set. And, um, you know, helping me see where my people hat could really lend itself, but also you know, giving me space to kind of process what wasn't working. And so we we ended up having like a really open, honest conversation and then being able to kind of make a plan. And I still remember the day, like sitting down and kind of looking at each other and being like, yeah, this is not working the way it, it it's set up today. And then I think we spent like till like our wee hours of the night developing a plan of transition and it felt so good like mm-hmm. even though you know you might walk out of a meeting like that and feel exhausted or scared or worried i was like oh this feels ama- like this feels like really good and so i think that too um that partnership and that kind of dialogue throughout and then being able to come up with a plan with someone was really important and and i think you know at the end of the day, it's not like it was an overnight change, but we had a plan. So, mm-hmm. so that felt really good. So much celebration in that failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Asking for help and like being able to step yeah. back and reflect on again, what's working, what's not working. And totally. that's really great. Yeah. And so that leads us into what is one of your greatest yeah. career highlights? Yeah. So this is going to, maybe this is going to sound cliche or maybe oversaid, but honestly, it's navigating COVID. And so why it was such a highlight was, you know, and Jenna, you and I were in deep in this together. (laughs) We had no idea what was going to happen. The world's emotions were on its brink. And I think for any profession, ours was tested the most, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not one to like, you know, toot our own horns, but that's, (laughs) you know, like we were on the forefront. We were who everybody was looking to. And what I really celebrate is, and I I think about this often, like, I think that the way as a team we were able to come together, I think I saw something in my own leadership style that I didn't know I had or that I never really got to exercise in that way. 
come to life in in this crisis mode. And I'm really like proud of myself for being able to bring calmness or organization mm-hmm. to the storm and bringing a team together that I think felt really like proud of how we handled it. Yes, I agree. And I'm I, I'm like, maybe I'm biased because I was, like you said, I was in the thick of it with you, but I do really think that you brought a, like leadership and grace and calmness and organization to that time. And we definitely supported the rest of the organization. So that's Thank a good you. one. Yes. I yes. agree. That's a good one. <laughs> we just happened to be doing that together. So huge, like equal celebration and highlight to be in it with you. <laughs> yeah. That's so nice. I feel like you touched on it, but to reiterate around like everyone was looking to HR during that time or we felt, we definitely felt like that in our organization. I'm sure a lot of other organizations felt the same. And I think, or I know a large component of that is uh, the emotions at play and the feeling of, I know there's a lot of fear out there and HR typically is taking in conversations from employees and, and getting the pulse check of how is everyone feeling, what's going on and how can we help and how can we support that customer service aspect of it. So while I'm sure operations and logistics and they all had a lot of work and stress upon their plates as well, I think we had this and something that we talked about a lot was like taking care of yourself and putting the oxygen mask on yourself as well during that time, because you're balancing others and your own feelings of the the fear and the worry um, that came along with all of that. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So Zulika, what I wanted to ask you next was around what is the greatest piece of feedback advice that you've ever received throughout your career? Mm, Yeah, this is a great one. The greatest piece of advice I've ever received was know what you're good at and like pay a lot of attention to where your strengths are. I think in the in and and I think this is changing, but I feel like a lot of folks try and improve their weaknesses, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just something you know. I think even through school, we're just taught like, okay, you got a poor grade on this, you need to get a better grade here. But it's like you know, I'm going to do better if I really invest in where I'm strong, as opposed to trying to improve um, where I'm just you know pretty pretty weak. Right. And so I think the, like knowing your strengths and knowing your weaknesses and then putting your energy towards your strengths is the greatest advice I've ever received. And I Mm -hmm. honestly think about it every single day. It's a good one. Yeah. And I agree. I think there's a lot more emphasis on doing more of what you love and what you're good at versus trying to get better at something that maybe you're not so great at. And there's obviously room for that. And I think it's, if you want to do that. Exactly. Maybe there's parts of your job that you're not good at. Well, are there are there other ways to get the work done without it necessarily being you? Or yeah. do you learn it and know that it's going to be B plus work? It's not going to be an A, but how much time and energy and effort are you going to put in into it? Right. If you know that, yeah, you could be focusing on your strengths. I think yeah, that is exactly. really smart. And a really like simple example, and this is when I laugh at myself a lot with is like, you know, I think about like, what are people's superpowers? And like, when you know somebody's so good at something, you're like, oh, I just want them to do it because they're awesome at that. And like, I'm not gonna even give it a give it a shot. So I remember being like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay in Excel. I'm not a wizard by any means, but I think about that often where I'm like, oh, like a spreadsheet sometimes will send me spiraling and someone on my team who's really good with the spreadsheet. I'm like, you're amazing at this. This gives you energy. I am not like here, you know, and like Mm -hmm. having no ego about being like, 
I need help with this. And like, even just acknowledging it's the strengths of someone else so that, you know, they can continue to be that super, like that, have that superpower and people are knowing them for that. I think it obviously goes beyond Excel, but that's a really good example (laughs) of like, just how great that could be to say like, Hey, I'm really good at having tough conversations. Like you can come to me anytime and I'm here for it. And then some Mm -hmm. others like, no, don't go there, you know? And so I just think knowing that is, is awesome. Cool. So it's been a candidate's market for a while now, probably the last few years. And it, it, to me at least feels like it's maybe changing a tiny bit, but what are your thoughts around that? Do you think it's here to stay? Do you think that there's change in the market around it being a candidate's market versus an employee's market? Yeah. Yeah. Or employer's market, I should say. Totally. Totally. I think that there, you know, there's definitely obviously been some, some shifts between each. I think, you know, where it's going to go and where it should be is honestly at a at a like 50-50 stance. I think too, you know, the pandemic has has thrown a lot of things into what the job market feels like and looks like. And, and I think that it's also progressed us in a lot of ways that we had hoped, like when I think about, you know, flexibility, working from like all of those things, how it just kind of pushed people forward. When again, as HR, like these were theories we were talking about for so long when it came to flexibility and balance and you know, when I think about this particular question, it's like it, it really should be a 50-50 play. I think the market should should be even. And, and I think that will balance the world out. You know, I think that whenever it's one way or the other, it really feels uneasy in the marketplace. And I think mm-hmm. if it gets to a spot where it's 50-50, that's like ultimate. I think that's where we'll find a lot of balance and that will feel more like stable, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay. I have a like a handful of questions that I want to ask you. I'm going to call this the lightning round. Yeah, okay. And so my first one for you is what is a business podcast or book that you've been listening to or reading right now? Ah, good one. Well, you know, my fir- my favorite, you know, podcast is is OTC. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> I was trying to make you an acronym Thanks. so you would think. <laughs> so you know th- that, um, but but um, uh, to to share, I mean, I I love Harvard Business Review articles. I would say I just actually recently bought H. It's called HBR 100, and it looks yes. at the last century of articles, and they're just so applicable. I feel like you can take like one or two things from, again, a really quick read and apply them. So, so that's been really great. I also have reread Atomic Habits a few times. Okay. Yeah. Especially this year. So um, yeah, I just, I love articles, books, or podcasts that kind of give you one or two things that are really easy to grasp and that you can action right away and don't feel like overly complex. Um, yes. So that's where I gravitate. And when you read, so, well, we know that you're a speed reader as we talked about it right at the yeah. beginning, but do you listen to books too, or do you typically read them? Yeah, I like, I do like reading books. I, if I'm, if I'm gonna, yeah, if I'm, if I'm gonna read, it's, it's, it's likely like on, on paper. Yeah. I'm yeah. Old school. <laughs> cool. Do you experience Sunday scaries? 
you know what's so funny about this? I didn't even know what they were. You had to look it up. Yeah, until like until actually they started to just pop up in my social media, and I was like, it's really a thing. And so what's interesting about it is maybe it was subconscious, but. I started to experience them once I like learned about what it was. Oh my gosh. Isn't that weird? I know. Yeah. I was like, maybe I shouldn't ask this question. Yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) But it's like an interesting thing. And I think I'm sure there was like elements of it. And then once it became, you know, a thing, it became more prominent. But when I do experience them, how I deal with it is, you know, I really try. And lately I've been trying to plan things on Sundays that kind of continue to fill my weekend. So, you know, I think people might jam pack Saturdays or even Friday nights with like things that are fun that they want to do on the weekend. And I have started to just kind of elongate that to Sunday to like distract myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I really take care of myself on Sundays. I think that is also a trend. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's when I wash my hair, it's when I, you know, do a mask, it's when I I do yoga, like, and, and like an extended amount of time. So, you know, I really try and just make sure I give myself a bit more of, of um, self-care. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge list person. So while I don't just do this on Sundays, I think that just kind of knowing I have a list that's organized throughout my week helps with what the Sunday scaries ultimately do to you. Yes. Self-care and checklists. Yeah. Yep. Love yep. it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is an interview question that must always like candidates always need to be prepared to answer yeah so you know what I would say I think that what's more what I would like spin or what I think is is really important is that the candidate has really smart questions to ask the employer so Mm -hmm. you know I think that you should be prepared to be yourself in an interview I think you should study the company I think you should be prepared to talk about your career and give some, you know, good examples and um, be yourself. And I think what the most important thing is, and again, this kind of goes back to thinking about the relationship being 50-50, is be like spend time on good questions for the employer. Because Mm -hmm. the more you can also get into a real dialogue, and that's your opportunity, I think, as a candidate to like talk about what it's going to be like working together, what's top of mind. It, it gets you um, in sync with how they think, with how you think. So I think if, if you know, I think what's really important is that a candidate spends like a considerable amount of time thinking through really strategic questions. Do you have a specific question that you have used in the past or that a candidate has asked you that you really appreciated? Yeah. It's funny. This one is really simple and someone asked me it and I was like, this is such a good question. But they they actually wanted to understand really tactically how do you all plan your priorities how do you know you win how do you know when you you lose like mm-hmm. it was really and so it was like really simple right because you're like right you plan your goals every every company ultimately has some type of system and then i think the win or lose question was really good like how do you know you're succeeding and how do you know if you're not, mm, yes. and how does that tie into how you ultimately prioritize what you're working on? So I love that question. I think it's a really important one. And I think it's a good temperature check of the company of like how they operate, how, how they organize, how you'll be organized. Like, I think that it's, it's something, um, it, it's a really good question to ask. So that's mm-hmm. been definitely been one of my favorites. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. What's a weird question that you've been asked? Oh my gosh. So this goes back to when I worked in restaurants. Yes. I'm sure that this, it's just haunted me, but I'm sure, I think it still gets asked. 
But my uh, manager, who I adore, like we're, he was a mentor of mine. He was he was such a great um, person in my life. Asked me if I was a fruit or vegetable, what oh, would I be? Dear and it was just, I, I was like, is it, it was obviously to like throw you off, or to, and I like really came up with it. Like I really thought about it. I came up with an answer. I had a why. Um, but I think it was the weirdest question ever. So not to put you on the spot or anything, but I would like to know not how you responded specifically, but what fruit or vegetable did you choose? Yeah. Well, I chose an avocado. Oh yeah. So I was like, you know, the what? fruit think- mistakenly right. call, get, getting called a vegetable. Exactly. Cause I, I, <laughs> I, exactly. I was like, you know what? I think that I'm a lot like an avocado because you know, there's, I have a lot of versatility and not everybody knows what I can do, you know? like. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I answered it well and truthfully, but it was an, it was an odd one. And so that's awesome. It's funny. I would always get like, um, like avocado napkins or thing, anything that he would find like keychains. He like forever gifted them to me. And I was like, that's funny. This has got to stop. But yeah, I love that. (laughs) Oh goodness. Okay. Two more questions. Yeah. Uh, your top tip for standing out in the job market? Mm, good question. I think like one, you have to be authentic. You have to be yourself. I think that people sense authenticity. I, I, I mean, and I think also for a candidate, it's so much easier to be who you are than to overthink and try and be something that you're not. So that's what I would say. I think that is the most important thing. And I think your being you will make you stand out exactly as you should. Yes, I agree. And if you're not, you know, if you don't connect with the employer, then there's another organization for you. Although that might not be the easiest thing to hear in the moment or at the time when you're applying and interviewing and spending all that time and energy doing it. I I really do believe that. Yeah, agreed. Okay, final question. What is the number one action everyone listening can take to own their career? Hmm. Great question. You know, I think I, I go back to kind of the beginning of our of our conversation around like initiative and taking ownership of your own growth. I think that it's there's so much around you to take initiative around, to get curious about. And so I think that staying curious always is is a huge opportunity and a, and a big tip. And there's so much that can be unlocked through that and to not be afraid to dive into things that maybe you don't know and to do it out of a place of learning. Um, you know, that ultimately is going to support your growth. So, um, yeah. And, and, and your career. So I think, you know, that really helped me early on just diving into things I didn't know, getting curious, helping people with projects I was not qualified for. Um, and so like, don't be afraid to dive into those things. And don't wait, don't always wait to be asked. You know, I think that that's also really important. You can also ask to be let in. Mm, Very good. That's Mm -hmm. great advice. Thank you so much, Z. I love chatting with you. I could talk to you forever. I think you shared so many great nuggets in this conversation and I just appreciate your time so much. Thank you, Jenna. No, I I feel so honored to, to be here and thank you for what you're doing for the world. Oh, you're <laughs> okay, thank you. Thanks, Jenna.
If there's one thing that you take away from my conversation with Zulika today, I hope it's the idea around curiosity. Zulika spoke about being curious right from the get-go and building her career and identifying what it was that she wanted to do. And then she brought that curiosity into the rest of her career through asking questions, learning, growing, failing. She talks about just being curious. So I hope that resonated with you as much as it has with me. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please go rate and review it. Give me some stars beside the podcast. I would really appreciate it. And just thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this juicy information today. And I hope to see you next week.